A Your Own Peerpod, a podcast by students for students about uni life. We are coming to you today from our Create Space Studio at Susan Wahid Health Building at the University of Sydney. Peerpod is recorded on the land of the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We pay respect to their elders, past and present. Let's get into it. In today's Peerpod, we are having two guests, Halia and Avin, where we are going to discuss developing empathetic English skills. Let's go around the table for our guests to introduce themselves. Hi, I'm Helia. I'm doing my master's in pharmacy in the University of Sydney. I'm Avin. I work at the Center of English Teaching and the Learning Hub at the university, and I take care of peer programs. Hi, Helia and Avin. Welcome again to Peerpod. We know there is a growing need to support students to develop English skills beyond the prescribed academic English so as to help international students to succeed in the workplace. However, many international students then find themselves having difficulty with colloquial Australian English. Evan and Helia, what has your experience been with these skills? Uh, you're, you're absolutely right. Um, there is an, import, an emphasis on academic English and clearly it's because they need it to pass their course. But certain other areas of communication are often put aside or deprioritized, such as just colloquial or conversational English. And I don't know about you, but I, I just imagine in your native tongue, you didn't speak academic English first. You began having simple conversations and we build upon that on a, just an everyday basis. But... Our students do tend to try and jump that step and they need to. It's a needs basis to enter the university or succeed in their course. So there's this huge area where language is not as developed. There's things that we do to try and cover this, but it's, it's never enough. How do I say this? Like In our native tongue, we have years and years of experience communicating in a conversational style before we even attempt academic English. And you can't really bypass that. But say at the Learning Hub and the Center for English Teaching, we have some programs like uh, um, Speak Up and uh, Speak and Connect, and they kind of help to create a space where students can come and practice their communication skills in a non-judgmental space. So we have that and these programs run, however, by itself, if not integrated into a greater network of care or support, it cannot achieve as much. And, and this gap that you speak about, yeah, it's real. In regards of like the academic English that you were talking about, I did my undergrad back in Cyprus. So like for me, like I was raised to like go to like English classes and like watch lots of English sitcoms and everything. But like for me, the first semester, It was such a challenge to try to translate the knowledge I had, like the science I knew, to actual like English. Like for me, like for example, like biology, I was like, I know this pathway, but I don't know how to say that in English. That was like a problem in like a classes for most of us who were not not native English speaker. We're like scientifically, we know what's happening and like we've been like dealing with this, but we don't know how to like write that in a paper, how to even like address it in English. I learn to overcome this with like after like four or five semester like when we get to the point that I was like kind of comfortable with the terminology and the stuff but like the, in the first I've, I think like for international students the first two semester this is actually one of the biggest deal that they have to like try to solve it 
it's like one of the stuff that one of the issues that they actually like have to like face it rather than just letting it happen and like go and like take the support that they have I didn't have the chance to have those supports after like a learning hub or stuff back for my undergrad and I'm actually like when I moved here I was like I am so happy that there are so many students that they don't go they don't need to go to the way that I like they always feel like they actually can get the support that they want so Helia it's interesting that it took you several semesters to go beyond the usual academic English Can you share how important it is for your future career as a pharmacist to develop the empathetic English? I think I've never addressed it before. I never realized how important it is when I was even in Cyprus because like although like we were studying in English, but the country like first language was Turkish, so that never came up to be honest. Still I moved here. It was one of those assessment that we had to do like counseling session and I was like, I can talk English really good. It's just talking. I'm just going to pass this thing. It's like there's nothing to be worried about. I failed. And like when I finished the counseling, the role playing session with my teacher and then he was like, "Yeah, you didn't have the empathy that I was looking for and you're not going to pass this like communication skills." And I was like, I wasn't even able to understand what he means by empathetic because I was trying to be as nice as I can as like as understanding I can in that whole role play thing. But apparently, like the slangs or even like emotional reaction that I was showing to the emotional clues were not translated properly to the English. That was like the first time that actually like hit me hard. I was like, okay, apparently this is the skills that I never knew I needed. I never even be able was able to address it, and I need to work on it. That was like my first experience that I actually dealt with it. Now, Evan, we know that you must have experienced a lot working with international students to improve their level of English skills. Mind sharing with us what are some of the challenges that you identified students facing in building their empathetic English? I think that, you know, it starts with the student that they need to have the motivation to want to to learn this. And I think as Helia explained, she didn't even realize something was lacking until an assessment kind of said hey the language you used wasn't appropriate or it was dismissive because i remember you told telling me that story you said no worry and you know it's a very australian thing to say but it could be misconstrued it could be considered hey your problem is not a real problem but that's not what you meant you meant to almost make them feel more comfortable the intention was right but the language was wrong and I suppose like that started a journey for you to try and go hang on what am I missing here cuz I I understand the course content my my responses weren't incorrect in terms of terminology or the information I was providing but my delivery was not appropriate for an English speaking audience in Australia and I think that like I said motivation is really important now now you're on your journey to kind of work this out Th- then you can start to address that I think that so the so part of it comes from the student then I suppose they do need the support they do need the training and that can come from various places it can come from your faculty it can come from the learning hub or the center of english teaching uh, there's more than that you it's not just a program that you go to and then you come out and you're ready because these programs can only provide you with like tools you have to then take those tools and go and use them and that's where motivation comes in again so pushing yourself putting yourself in situations where you're forced to try things out make your mistakes at university that's the right place to do it but finding the spaces where you can go and practice you know to for you to have to participate in banter outside of just analytical conversation and for Helia to have conversations 
that are not strictly about medicine, you know, or a client and patient relationship, but like exploring language and finding the right places to, to practice this, that's really important. So yeah, the student's important, um, support is important, but also and I support from faculty as well. But I think then finding communities to practice are really, really, really important. Yeah, like I think like community is something that, like I'm just talking like from my own experience, I might be a bit biased. Like it happens a lot when you move to another country, you have different accents, like or you, love, you use like different slangs. If you're lucky enough to find a community or like a support friend systems that be around you and like bear with you and understand what you're going, that's something great and awesome which doesn't happen to all of us, to be honest. It takes time. Like, I used to be with the round of people that they would get, like, mm, tired of me, like, trying to, like, find the perfect word. Because there's something about, like, us international students or, like, anyone who's a non-native language speaker is that for people who are native, even different synonyms have different, like, meaning. Mm. But for me, it's just, like, list of words that they have the same meaning for me. So even if I cannot remember like one word, I use the synonyms that can sometimes can like make misunderstanding. I was lucky enough that after a while I found the people who openly adore my accent when I talk with them or like they understand me when I'm not like making sense. Like I always have this and I was like, okay guys, I, I don't think I'm making sense. And when they're like, no, like keep talking. Like I think I mentioned you that story that once I was like cooking with my friends and I was holding the pot in my own language, pot, cap, and lead, they're same word, and the door. So like for me, I was holding the button, I was like, guys, I cannot find the door of this thing. Someone give me the door. And like my friend was like, do you mean the lead? <laughs> I was like, yeah, exactly that thing. I, that's, I think that comes from like having like a network or like a support system that you can actually freely make these mistakes and learn it by the example, which I have this message for all of the people that, you might not find them in the first few months or few years that you're starting it, but eventually, like, by branching out and networking, you will be lucky enough to find those people around you to support you openly and, like, have your back about it. Interesting discussion so far, Helia and Evin. Recently, I read an article about the cultural differences between the East and the West, where the East is more of a high power distance compared to the West, which is of low power distance. The differences in power distance actually influence how the people of that particular culture interact with other. In the high distance power culture, saving face is of more importance for them, which could be causing the students from this culture not to try to make mistakes in the class, whereas students from the West with low power distance would be more vocal and sips about making mistakes because open communication is highly appreciated. So, Evin, I believe the majority of the students studying at the Center of English Teaching come from the East and hence could influence them not to speak up in class. How do you actually encourage them to be active and open in communication? Zakwan, you're absolutely right. These things do exist and they're very hard to um, unravel because they, you know, you come to Australia, you come to the University of Sydney with with the sort of inbuilt sort of expectation of yourself and you know, you've lived a certain way and you've communicated a certain way. We, we have to try, what, within our courses, we try and disassemble it as much as possible. 
but you can't break somebody down to zero. Someone has to realize that the way that they have been up until now, which has value, might not be the best way forward, especially if you're trying to operate in a Western academic context and you've come to Sydney. I think it's important for an international student to to also understand that their way of doing things might not work or might not be appreciated here. But in saying that, like, how, how do you move forward? I suppose by providing a space that is safe, where you can make mistakes, where you're not being judged, to try and make that extremely explicit and support that, to allow them to play with language and make mistakes which they haven't done before, that's something we try and do. I think another thing is that it's not just this low distance or high distance culture which you mentioned, but also educational models where perhaps in another country you were never asked for your opinion. You were never, you were never give. It was not a two way street, so they're not in. They, they might not even be in the habit, or might not think that that's what's expected. So, let's just say at the Centre of English Teaching, many of our students are studying with us before they enter university. So could be up to 36 weeks, it could be 10 weeks, but at least they're put in a space where they are asked for their opinion. Can come a long way to kind of, it can't undo all those years of experience before they came to Australia, but at least they can um, get a taste of what will be expected at university. So the student also has to accept that this is a different context, if you know what I mean. So Helia, have you ever had this moment of being afraid of making mistakes while speaking English? Yeah, definitely. Because like, even especially like the culture I was raised and also the educational system I was raised was based on this idea that you, if you make a mistake, it doesn't mean you lack the understanding of the knowledge or skills that you need to work on. If you mis- make a mistake, you're doomed. It's something completely on you and you have to like build on it. It was completely like one way, as like as Alvin said, but it took me like I think like it was the first semester. I asked a question from a professor in the class, and then she was like, "Oh, thank you so much for telling me like for asking that question. Would you mind if I share it with the class?" That was a whole new concept for me that never happened in my life, and I was like, "Oh yeah, like sure," but like that was like the whole new thing that I was appreciated for asking a question. And then I was actually asking a permission to share that question with other people. And like uh, in Australia, yeah, the education system is way different than like other countries, which was giving me like a really, it was like a new platform for me that I could explore. And I was way more, I am way more calmer and less stressed here because I know that I can make mistakes. Because like, again, like one of the other professors we were talking and she was like, I am here to help you. Like my job is here to actually like teach you about it which was a great feedback. Like I was never raised with this mentality or like this sort of like connection with like the teachers. And like, it's completely something that if you come from different culture, from like Australian culture, or even like educational system, you will face it, which is going to be like a cultural shock for the first few semesters, like the first few times that you actually like deal with something like that. I mean, some people think Australian culture is so relaxed. It's, it's actually not. <laughs> it's not relaxed at all, but... I think we also have to remind ourselves that university is a training ground. Yeah. This is where you're, 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 you're paying to make mistakes and be corrected. You know what I mean? Like yeah. this is the space. Like at work, it might be quite different. You know, we might not, not, we might not be as accommodating 
of your mistakes, you know, once, you know, money's involved, yeah. and, you know. Um, yeah, so, yeah, university is a place to make your mistakes. I love that sentence. I love that to be, like, always highlighted that here is actually the space that, you're, yeah, you have to make mistakes just in order to learn. Evin, how essential it is for international students to develop their empathy in English and what is the impact on students who struggle with this skill? If you stay in Australia and you hope to work in Australia, you might realize that Australian work culture really um, celebrates informality because depending on how informal you can be with someone, how personable, how comfortable you can be with someone, that actually represents how close you are. I mean, Australia isn't completely upside down. You, you do have to show some discretion. And you know, if there's certain sensitive things, there's a time and a place to bring it up. But I suppose in Australian business culture, once you get through the informalities, once you get through the small talk and have a giggle, then you can get down to business, which might be a cultural difference, you know? So I, I wouldn't say empathetic English is necessary, but definitely being able to communicate freely and comfortably on a variety of topics is essential. So academic English alone will not get you very far when it comes to the actual workplace. It'll, it's great for submitting an assignment, but not the reality of business com communication. Because once, uh, maybe this is an Australian cultural thing, not sure, but establishing trust is essential first. And once that's done, then business takes place. And so this sort of informal communication is essential to that first part. I, I imagine, I don't know that much about um, medical sciences, but um, I don't think being informal is is important, but being careful with your word is very important, right? Because it's quite sensitive. Yeah, like being careful with the word is quite important to make sure you are not sending or like sending like a wrong message. Also, like there's something like we we've been told that you have to actually make a connection with connection with the patient first, and that's when you can actually like weigh in to have like clinical intervention with them. I don't know like the English word for it. is it like. Build a rap, rap, rapport, rapport. 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 Yeah, that's exactly like the slide that they use. Or like you have to build a rapport first, and then you would be able to like, uh, like weigh in as a clinical, like as a professional healthcare in the conversation. Because like, especially like about the no worry thing that we talk about. For me, when I said no worries, what I meant was like it's fine. Like I can take care of that as your pharmacist. But what was interpreted in that conversation was like. Apparently, I was downgrading the patient's concerns. Mm. So that was like a whole different understanding for me of the situation and the conversation with the understanding of someone who was like native English speaker. Or like I remember like there was this conversation I was having as a like, in a, like one of our assessments. I was saying that, oh, like you can change this in your lifestyle. And then like my professor stopped me right away. He was like, why did you just like have this prejudgment that the person's lifestyle is bad. And I was like, I didn't mean that at all. Like I was trying to like help with like, we call like non-formal logical intervention that, hey, like change your lifestyle, change like the exercise then and stuff. But it was like the way that you were saying was so condescending that the patient will not listen to you after that. Like that one wrong sentence might give like a misunderstanding to the patient that they will not listen to you after that, even if you have a, like a valid professional point. And like, that's something that we are not told in our lectures especially before the assessment, we might get those feedback after the lectures. And it's something that international students 
deal with it a lot. But we don't. We are kind of like it's. It might be like I am biased at this point, but like we were all in my course, we were so scared and afraid to tell each other and embarrassed to tell each other that hey, like I failed like a ten minutes counseling. Because like all of our like uh, in like native English speakers, they were like passing really easily. So like at, I think it was like the third assessment that they realized that lots of us are like having problem with this assessment, but we are not raising the issue because we are so embarrassed to raise the issue and like we are hiding it from each other. That's when I like actually I was like, okay, we need to raise the issue even if we don't have an actual solution properly. We just need to know that hey, this is a problem. This is something that we need to work on. And it's okay to make mistakes, and it's okay to like play with it, and like making mistakes and errors with it. But it's it's good to know that I uh, keep that in mind. That hey, this is something that you might want to think about it. Mm. I suppose it's very important that the faculty let you know how important. I suppose in a way they they are letting you know, you know. Yeah, in a hard love. <laughs> yeah, not not the way you would have liked it, but but now you're incredibly aware that the language you use can affect that consultation and, it, and that you won't be able to help them if they feel dismissed and if they feel rejected just because of the language you've used and it was not intentional you won't be able to achieve what you to achieve maybe they can model that language more in class and make it very explicit how you know you know if you say this it might be represented like it might be interpreted like that i think that's really important yeah definitely yeah um something that you might not have experienced in say a past course or in another country like with this huge emphasis on peer feedback you know and, and some students go well, I don't want to hear from my peers like they're not experts I want to hear from the teacher but that that whole process of giving feedback it, first of all to give feedback means you need to have a certain awareness you know so in in giving feedback you practice watching somebody analyzing it seeing it from a different perspective and then when you provide it even providing it in a nice way you know like even giving criticism in a way that can be accepted that's an incredibly important skill you know um imagine if you were one day forget feedback say you were trying to um uh help a client move to an understanding you know like the way that you express it you have to work with them emotionally first you know so there there are very important soft skills that could make or break uh, a business deal or a consultation yeah i personally like the feedback culture here in australia and in my class i have also been taught about feedback technique that reinforces the existing strength and provides recommendations on which aspect require improvements in a sense it's not a tool for criticizing others rather it is being used to allows individuals to reach their potential Do you think like in regards of that we can actually get help as like international student from domestic students? I do think that your for you to improve you you need to have these interactions mm-hmm. and therefore you need to have those supportive people. And you know obviously I actually think the USU clubs and societies is clearest and easiest way to experience these spaces, but you need people on the other side who are willing to give you the time of day and and and, and be tolerant of those little mistakes and see beyond it. But I think there's something else. I think that I think that you also have to like be be more confident in your own ability. I mean, we're all speaking in English, but I'm the only one here who has one language. You all have multiple languages. So, 
I think that you also need to be able to walk into a space going, I'm going to make some mistakes here, but you know what? I'm talking to you in another language. Somehow we kind of, I feel like international students feel so embarrassed to make these mistakes, but they should be proud that they're even like, even having a conversation, you know, like it's, to me, that's mind blowing. That's a great point that you're raising. What are the supports that you think that the university has that the students need to know in terms of where they can actually get the support to build up your English skills? I suppose I'll just start with the department that I work, the Center for English Teaching and Learning Hub. We run a variety of peer programs at different times of the year for different cohorts. So for example, Speak Up is just about practicing conversation. Speak and Connect, quite similar, open to international students. And that happens during semester. So they're timed at you know different times of the year. We have a different space for HDR students. We have something called Getting Started Chat Club, which is for newly enrolled students. We have a multitude of programs, but I, I want to stress that this is not the answer to everyone's problem. It, all we can do is provide a toolkit. And then students need to take those tools and use them. They need to find opportunities to practice them. Simply collecting all the tools does not mean that you're capable of using them or knowing exactly which tools to use at which time. So you need to make mistakes, you need to play with them. And I think that social spaces that the university promotes and, cre- and provides a space for such as clubs and societies is the simplest and most accessible space, especially if you are not incredibly social yourself and you don't, you're not the kind of person to just walk up to a group of strangers and be like, hi. Hi, <laughs> I'm here now, you know. Um, at least with the USU, you can say, I like this thing too. You like it. There's a point of commonality. We can at least talk about that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm not trying to demean it. I, I, I'm not trying to, yeah, to oversimplify it, but students need to take advantage of that, especially if they're not particularly courageous. Simply coming to a workshop and then just letting and just leaving it alone after that, it's it, they w- it won't take them very far. It's like signing up for the gym, going once and thinking you're going to be okay, mm-hmm. you know. So yeah, I, I suppose those would that would be the best way forward, I think. But in terms of improving empathetic English, you need to have many many conversations. Like you need to. Like, like, how do you how do you develop empathy? You need to connect with people. You can't do it through a textbook. You need like being empathetic to you, Zakwan, would be entirely different to being empathetic to you. You're very different people with different personalities, and I would need to read. You need to learn how to read an individual, the mm-hmm. person in front of you, and understand what their tolerances are. Now, I know um, Helia has a very dark sense of humor. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's quite disturbing. <laughs> But 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 I don't think I wouldn't necessarily think that's that's you. You know what I mean? So um, the same communication wouldn't work well with just the two people in this room. But by extending yourself, meeting lots of different kinds of people, trying it out, making mistakes, in, maybe upsetting someone in the process, you know. But really, small time, you know. Yeah, I think that's the way forward. Really. A lot, a lot rests on the student, and I find it incredible that they come so far. They leave their home country, they'll come all the way to Sydney, and then they'll stay in their room. 
that they think that they think the biggest step has already been made just traveling across the water mm-hmm. but um yeah and i i can understand it's yeah. it's confronting yeah he's right like as uh, like i moved two times once i moved from iran to cyprus and then i moved from cyprus to here on a paper it sounds like the scariest part is actually moving out but to be honest based on my experience the scariest part is actually after that is when you actually want to enter the society you actually want to start like building a life there that's when things get like way bigger and like they need more effort and like practice and like mistakes to actually get what you want i want to ask you helia what sort of support that made you being motivated to keep on improving your empathetic english uh like if you're talking about like outside of the campus to be honest i was i'm just gonna like tell this story because like i feel like everyone wanna needs to know about it because it's not always like rainbows and like flowers i was bullied for my english and for my accent for the first few months in the workplace that i was working outside of the campus but i was lucky you know which actually led to me like being like want to be like kind of like silent in the conversations and stuff but i was really lucky enough that i had a colleague and i had a friend that like i mentioned before that they openly adore my accent and like whenever I was making mistake he was having actually like the same point as you mentioned that you are talking in another language just be proud what you're doing I was lucky enough to find that support system that raised pick up my pieces and like raised me up and like there's still the people for me that they're like my support system outside of the campus and that's what I want to say like you might actually meet people that they're not as nice and accommodate as you wish but also you will find people who going to be your support system That's like pretty much it to be honest like for me like my friends outside of the campus are the only people that they're like being my support system. So I've you were talking about the programs that are being offered by CET and I believe that our listeners would like to actually getting to know about where they can actually find these programs and then enroll into it. Maybe you can share with us. The next set of programs if people are interested um they will begin just before semester 1 next year. So before semester starts, um, Speak Up will run, and we'll actually, we actually send out a university-wide email um, inviting people to register. And then once semester starts, uh, Speak and Connect will start, and it's a six-week program with one workshop every week. Once again, we do send out an uh, invite to enroll, but also it'll be available, like it'll be visible on the university's website, especially in the orientation planner. So. There are these promotional channels. I think a lot of it actually uh, a word of mouth is is a big one as well. So I suppose uh speaking to other students like when these programs start the students start talking and they start enrolling and th- often they'll bring a friend, you know, <laughs> they don't want to turn up alone, but yeah, I'd say the university website's probably a really good place to look. Look for Learning Hub Academic Language and Learning and and you'll also see those uh those programs uh on their Canvas site for you to register. That's awesome. Great. And also like since we were talking about that and this is a podcast by PLAs, uh I just want to mention that also to like whenever like the students wants to talk, they can always find PLAs in our the the places that their spaces that they are and we are always open to hear their experiences their struggles because like we are one of those people and like we can actually help them about it we might uh we we just might be here just like hear it but we just want to like 
spread the thing that they're not alone. And if they want to ever talk with someone, they can always reach out to PLAs too. Thanks, Evan and Helia, for the time to record this Peerport session. It has been an insightful discussion with both of you. I hope to see you both again in another session. That's it for Peerport this week. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post it about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To catch all the letters from Peerport, you can follow our team on Instagram at sydney underscore library underscore PLA or subscribe to the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts or anywhere you listen to podcasts. If today's episode has sparked anything for you, we'd love to hear about it. Drop us a line at peerport.pla at sydney.edu.au. See you next time.